0: Is Australia. There's fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom, as far as I can see. You know, but I ain't spending any time on it. Oh, yeah. Don't stop wearing the
1: Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of federal politics.
2: It's cold bean, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody 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 bloody
1: bloody adult. Well, welcome back to Decode, uh, Batuta Advocates' new podcast series aimed at decoding all of the waffle and jargon that we hear coming out of Canberra and out of the think tanks and all of these policy institutes. And of all these newspapers uh, that kind of struggled over the last couple of years in remaining accessible to normal Australians. We had a good run leading into the election. We had about 15 interviews, didn't
0: we, Wendell? Yeah, yeah. They were lining them up week to week. It was good. There was one, I guess
1: you could say, golden goose that we couldn't get in contact with leading into the election. Some say she was playing it a bit safe. Others say she just had more important things to do, but today she's decided. You know, the dust has settled on the federal election. She's doubled up. There's now uh, there's now two of them. Jackie Lambie, thank you for joining us, and Tammy Terrell, thank you for joining us as well.
2: Are you guys still pissy because we wouldn't talk to you before the election. Honestly, you're
0: a guy. You were prioritising Tasmanians over a small regional newspaper up here in Central West and Queensland.
2: It's going, to get no, it's going to get worse, mate. The Prime Minister's taking all my
0: bloody advisors off me. I'll tell you, wait to see what's coming. <laughs> we do want to talk about that. But before getting into it, this new political force coming out of Tasmania, the Lambie Network, Tammy Tyrrell's joined you in the Senate. And I just wanted to ask, Tammy, from what I can gather, you don't seem to have attended a prestigious college at a sandstone university. You don't seem to have a dad or an uncle or a grandfather who was the Premier of Tasmania or was in Canberra in federal politics before, and you didn't seem to climb the ranks at, you know, one of the major law firms in Sydney or Melbourne. So can you tell us how you got into politics, how you found your way in? Yeah, how
2: did you get into politics without having all that? On oh, your I bet, resume? I met this batshit crazy girl about
3: eight years and <laughs> it <current at> all
2: went to
3: hell. I didn't go to college. I went to the School of Hard Knocks at Albie High School. Mm-hmm. You know what? Grade 7 through to Year 10. Then I went to Don College and apparently I was in the cool common room. You know how there's a cool part and there's a shit part? Mm-hmm. I, I was in the shit part, but apparently not. Apparently not. But you know what? She was in the shit part because I was in the cool part and she wasn't there. Oh, you were in the shit part. We went to the same <laughs>
2: call. <laughs> I just never went. Well, actually, no, I was registered. but There's a difference actually attending.
0: The attending bit was never good me. Some might say having a career outside of politics, doing a few different things, having a little bit of a different um, path to Canberra than some of our more traditional politicians in the Liberal and the Labor Party is probably a good thing in a representative democracy. What what did drive you to politics? How did you, how did you find your way in, other than bumping into the batshit crazy woman, <laughs> your words, not mine, uh, sitting next to you? Oh,
3: she'll be batshit crazy forever. Don't worry about that. Oh, look, pretty much everything I've done in this life has been with real people in real time, all the way from packs weeding the weeds and digging carrots and spuds on a potato harvest or even manually. And then I worked in um, an education place where apprentices, trainees, dealing with kids, mums, dads, helping them get a better life. Local government, mm. never working with like government. It's crazy. Um, and employment services. So I've always dealt with on a very down-to-earth level. And she's danced on pool tables. I have danced on pool No. <laughs> oh, that was rude. That was Dude. you. <laughs> I've been passed a few times. I'm that girl that runs from
1: the eight-ball table and hides in the toilet. Okay. Yeah, yeah <laughs> well, um, you know, these are skills that we need in Canberra and these are insights okay. and perspectives that we need down there. You're right.
2: You know, people dancing on pool tables and
3: brass, mate. I mean, yeah. that's
2: where your character grows.
3: You know what we're very down to, we're very <laughs> grassroots and that's what we're going to bring to Parliament House for two of us because if we're not saying what the people here in Tassie want, they're going to tell us. Like Uncle Dickie, he'll tell us. Mm. Your mum Susie, she'll definitely tell us. Like she's the one that keeps us in line. But everything I've done in real life brought me towards, okay, if I want to make a difference, if I want to make a change and make sure that the mums and dads and kids in the local community actually are heard in their voice, she's pretty loud. But you know what? I'll be the backup singer and I'll make sure that
1: we're twice as loud. It's a completely different path you're going in. As much as it's, uh, you know, you're two very similar kind of characters and um, what I assume you guys have two very similar sets of beliefs coming from the similar part of the world, you've had to go down a very different path, Jackie. The last time we met was on the lawns of Parliament House. Tony Abbott was still Prime Minister. Your great mate. And we were having a little chit-chat because it was the day of the first Liberal spill. We've had, I don't know, how many leaders since then. And at that point, you were effectively, you you were on your own. You are kind of making inroads towards what we have now, which is the Lambie Network. But you kind of entered the frame as a part of this super villainous kind of empire of... Clive Palmer and and his merry gang of conspiracists and all these other kind of, you know, lunatics. But it became very clear early on that you were the real deal. Um, The voters at least told you that several times. I want to know more about your your journey, Jackie. I mean, aside from being sacked by the High Court because you didn't know you were a POM, you've managed to level out because you came in in a very different circumstance to the woman sitting next to you. You kind of came in in this this big yellow wave. How have you been able to manage in that role and, and... to become Jackie Lambie, uh, as opposed to becoming a senator that, um, you know, came through with all this yellow. Um, I
2: think, um, you know, as I've been able to go along, I've just uh, worked it out to a certain degree. I, you know, if you don't start up, start with the right advisors to start with, that can work with you in um, So you've got to be really careful on the people who are around you, who you pick to work around you, make sure they're like-minded well, yeah, it was a bit of a shit losing my um, seat for twenty months. Gotta love the Queen for that, and I'd love her anybody close to the Queen anymore. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So I'm a big one behind the Republic push, mate. That's what happens when you piss me off. <laughs> not your dad was Scottish. Yeah, he's Scottish. Yeah, Scottish. hello. Really, very Scottish, not UK. Very big difference there. Not a bomb, Scottish. European
3: yeah.
2: British. 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 <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah, and at times it's been quite difficult. You know, I was really lucky like so to my two years I forgot to um, do a bit of TV, which really helped me out a bit the celebrity stuff and all that. Which, get
3: me out of here.
2: Which uh, helped me get through and pay some bills over a couple of years and get re-elected again, um, which was really good. But... Um, other than that yeah, it hasn't been all smooth sailing. We haven't had a killer veterans coming through the office We're like a triage here still. Um not much has really changed from day one apart from what become less of a wrecking ball.
3: Yep. Oh some days. Yeah,
2: some days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm able to hide it a little bit under the under the radar mate. That's that's what I'll be good at. So um yeah, so not much has happened. and you know, I come in single and I'm still bloody single mate. So I, I don't know I've had this whole political life but Honestly, I might as well just
1: get used to being by myself. Well, there's a a man drought in Canberra. Everyone knows that. There's a man drought down there. Yeah,
3: but we're not in Canberra, man. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like.
1: I don't think there's a man drought in Tassie. Plenty of good blokes down there. Uh, What was his name? Uh, The River Arms Hotel, Lighthouse Hotel. I'm not going
3: to say anything (laughs) about those two. I love them. Yeah. They're not bad. They're down on it. They're hotties.
1: <laughs> Tammy, it is different for you, Senator Tammy Tyrrell. I should clarify. Yeah, don't me that. yeah sorry. It is it, it's it's different for you because you've got Jackie alongside you. She's not above you, not yeah. below you by the looks of things. But
3: I don't she, know.
1: She's, I don't know. she's taken the knocks and uh, and she can offer you some advice. I kind of want to talk, Jackie. Do you remember a time when people were exploiting you? You know, you were new, you were green there were people that were leading you in certain directions just because you hadn't learnt the ropes at
2: that point? Yeah, I think so. And that's what bothers me about the tears, about them not having enough advisors. Yep. You know, so it has been a really awful experience for me and the staff that have been in here, especially the last five years. So, oh, I've been in for the last eight. Sorry. You know, um, no, and I mean, Tammy's been through everything that I've been through. I'm not at the title, but, you know, she's, she's been the one that's walked walk beside me like the other staff. Um, so they know the good, the bad and how it all works. Um, so, really, mate, she's she's got an easy run, seriously. I mean, I've got, <laughs> you know, the obvious run. I mean, what more does she want from me?
3: Trust me, she's a crushed test dummy, but everything she's done, I've actually had experience along with her. And, like, clean honest- up. Yeah, clean up. Clean up. Oh, Jackie Lambie. <laughs> nice. But, yeah. Honest to God, she, she's actually a really cool chick to work with. And she's a cool chick for her life. So even on our worst days, we always see the sunshine at the end of it. And it's, you know what? There's always a glass of wine to be had or a bit of cheese.
0: So um, we we shouldn't be keeping an eye out for a uh, Tyrrell Network or a Tyrrell United party.
3: Are you going to pull a Lambie on Lambie? No. I've, got, I've seen she'll be stuck with me until she freaking decides not to be a politician, but then she'll still be stuck with me outside of. She's my sister from a different mister, yep. which is a very terrifying thing to do.
0: Yeah. She's I did want to ask about when you first got to Canberra, and this leads into advice for Tammy. What were some of the biggest things that kind of shocked you about the people getting around and the way everything worked? Like, what was it that you got there and you are just like, fuck? these guys are ruthless or this is this is kind of what happens or well, obviously the fast-paced nature of everything. But what were the, some of the biggest shocks?
1: These people are wildly underwhelming and these people are detached from reality and these people are
0: living, breathing morons. And we, these people don't know how to have a conversation with an ordinary person. Any feelings like that? Yeah. I, I
2: think for me it wasn't – I've seen it in the armed forces. You see the, the split between the actual diggers and the officers. So it was very – similar, you know, they walk around with their head up their ass, and I'll be honest with you, that's why they're in such a disarray the military, Um, is the leadership that they've got in there. So when you see the bad leadership that's going on in there, you see the leadership going on in Parliament. Mm. I think what blew me away more than anything was, mate, how fucking hard is it to come to a conclusion and put it into action? (laughs) I have never seen a a business like that, you would be bloody bankrupt. This is the problem, and it drives me nuts. Seriously. How long does it take, take to get something done?
1: I mean, it's, it's an interesting one because you're, you're talking about that comparison to the top brass of the military there, but a lot of the top brass in the military still had to be a digger at some point. Where does the detachment come from, do you think?
2: Oh, no, no not not a lot of it. mate. You're very lucky if he comes through a digger. There aren't There are one in occasion come through a digger, and they're usually your best officers. Yep. Most of them go through RMC or ADFA, the Australian Defence Force Academy, and we're the only ones that do that in the Western world, the Australian Defence Force Academy. And just so I'll put that out there now, I'm coming to shut it down. Because yeah. I believe... Yeah, and this will come out of the RMC uh, Royal Commission because every, every person should be going through Kapuka as a digger and you can determine over the next two to five years who your leaders are out of that pass. And that's how it should be done, the very best... The best. Not bloody all boys, people, all these kids coming from all boys' schools or mm-hmm. girls' schools where their mum and dad can pay for their bloody, um, can go out there and pay for their education and the rest. That's who the military is picking up. You won't see people coming from Housing Commission because mm-hmm. we're not good enough to go to ADFA. Yep. That's correct.
1: And do you reckon that gives you a 10-year kind of, um, I mean, if you were to make it as an officer coming from Kapuka, that would put you 10 years behind your uh, more kind of privileged contemporaries?
2: I think that that would show the privileged contemporaries um, exactly where they belong in the bundle of things, or in the line of succession, and they should be right at the bottom. Everything's always been passed to them on a silver spoon. I want leaders who have earned their way to the top. That's what I want to see, and that's what I see in Australian politics as well. Mm.
1: Tammy, I w- want to ask. Jackie's obviously got a lot of uh, a lot of interest in the veteran affairs and, and the military. Have you had a similar experience with the ADF, or if not, what would be your thing from you know that you've worked in outside of politics and kind of want to run the ball up for?
3: Yeah, look, Jackie's got the the clear running on the defence stuff. Well. My sister was navy; she was in there for quite a few years. And trust me, I'm not I'm not regimental enough to ever join a duper force, army, navy, crap, nah, not me. Look, in all honesty, I'm more about social policy, mm-hmm. you know, health, education, housing, um, all that kind of stuff because that's where I've come from. That's where I work. That's that's who I talk to on the street every day. Uh, we've got some people on the main street here in Burnie that they're out there drinking their BB long necks, you know, in a brown mm-hmm. paper bag. They're all straight. And they're drug affected. They've got their kids, they've got their trolleys with their homeless packs and backpacks and tents. That's what I would like to try and address more into the future. And I know that there's some good policy out there about to kick into gear, but I'm there to shake up and make sure that it is good and that there's no unintended consequences.
1: We talk about uh, solutions, Jackie. You'd come, come to a solution and, and act on it. You seem to have some ideas for the Defence Force, which is abolish the academy, which creates all of these silver spoon toffs that are running the thing into the ground. Tammy, what do you think, in terms of social policy, what's something that you can identify right in front of you now, that if was brought into action tomorrow, would vastly change the lives of the people out in the street in Burnie?
3: Housing's a big one, and that's across the country, I think. Um, I've heard that other states and territories are having the same problems we've got like 4,500 that are homeless at the moment living in cars and living on the highways, overpasses. And to me, if you've got a house, you've got somewhere to build your family, you've got somewhere you can have a job, where you can get educated, where you can move forward and, you know, build your own little world. Um, If you've got nowhere to call home, you've got nothing.
2: I think, I think what really annoys me more than anything, guys, about that is you can have detention centres set up and you right. can have quarantine set up in a matter of minutes, but we can't seem to be able to set that sort of quality housing, even if it's only short term for emergency, um, in those same packs. And, you know, if there is quarantine that's has been shut down, why aren't we using that? Why were we able to, you know, put people in during the winter that were homeless into motels and hotels and be able to book those hotels out? You know why can't we do that again? If there's other, if there are other areas in Australia which their hotel people, people see? it's not going up. We're not looking at the right solutions because yeah. they're
3: there right in front of us. But there's even like um situations here in Tasmania where we've got like um the fruit pickers, backpackers. They've got like um little like caravan parks they their domes, and they're really cool. They've got like communal kitchens, social areas where there's couches and stuff. They've got their own little piece of turf, and they're looked after really, really well. Uh, Why can't
0: we do something like that? The thing that strikes me about that sort of stuff is there doesn't seem to be a huge political will from the major parties to do stuff about that. Jackie, you have spent the last few years down there in Canberra going at stuff and going at stuff. What are some of the methods that you'd look to use or, or ways to just continue to push on these issues and just keep going and keep going and keep going? And how do you do that? How do you just go, we're sticking on this and we're just going to keep going and going?
2: I think if there's one thing that we're very good at, because we're so limited we with staffing and, and we're so small, is we're really good at selling. Mm. We're really good at, we're well, a bit like you guys, that social media means everything to me mm-hmm. because we don't take those big political donations from unions or corporates. We take them from everyday people. And I think the most that we've ever got is a check for three grand and that was a one off. Most of them are just on average twenty seven bucks. bucks or yeah. something. Yep. You've got nearly three quarters of a million people across your social media, that is what you use. Um, and being basically smashing them. We've got to smash them to make any to smash common sense into them. Mm. And as draining and psychologically draining as that is, and at times it can be, um, if you smack them down enough, what you will notice about these politicians—they—they they, one of their biggest weaknesses is their resilience. They don't have a lot of it. So, the learning to take so much for SmackDown. Once you've smacked them a couple of times down, they keep going down. They start to shake them. And they go, We really, this is not working.
0: Resisting the SmackDown looks too much like hard work after a little while.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I love it, mate. There's nothing better than coming out and putting all that work in and saying, I told you you'd lose. You should have just folded three weeks ago, you bastards. It's political so, wrestling. Isn't it? Yeah, it is political wrestling. And uh, unfortunately, um, the white legs, just, I don't have one of those in my corner. Oh. So, I ain't putting it up.
1: Well, you've survived, Jackie, too. You've survived a lot of governments. In fact, a lot of people that thought they'd be there forever. I mean, the former Prime Minister Scott Morrison thought he was eventually going to, you know, become the president of Australia and just stay there forever. He was born for that position. Can you tell us now, because you have survived so many people and uh, you don't have to worry about working with a lot of them anymore, can you give us some examples of uh, certain uh, politicians that you may have just played into your hands?
2: Um, well i think after having that getting that royal commission for Veterans affairs you know i think that just goes to show if you can get public perception with you behind you um, and it is a great cause that they'll feel that pressure and they will fold mm-hmm. i do say maybe spend less time praying to god and actually getting me out there and getting the job on and, and stop worrying about the whole faith thing and actually stop relying on that because the only person that's going to make it happen and for you to achieve anything is yourself mm-hmm. go out there and get it
1: the liberal party got absolutely flogged the last election. Labor didn't win by much, but they won, and the Liberals bled out in places. uh, In the end, it wasn't just Labor taking it from the Liberals. It was uh, was the Greens and the Teals. You've got a very different landscape now. You mentioned just before, too, that the Teals do worry you because they're a bit green, and not politically green. They're a bit fresh, and they don't have much support and, and I would also say this is a lot of the new independents that have come through have come from very high-powered corporate positions where they're used to being able to tell someone to put their stuff in a box and get out. They're not familiar with negotiating. They're not familiar with compromise and they're not familiar with basically working with people. What do you think is going to come of all of this?
2: Um, I think it will be a very interesting the thing as all but you're down in the bottom house at the moment and that lower house. So and because they don't have that balance of power, you're probably not going to see performances coming out of them until they can find their feet because it takes about 12 months to actually find your feet properly. So we be just very interested how they play out in the next 12 to 18 months. I will say this to the Tills. The independents like me, we can start there and we can try and shift things and get people to vote independence. but basically there's so many of you down there. I, I believe that the next election is going to be based on their performance. Mm-hmm. If they perform well, then we'll be able to knock the majors around a little bit more and be able to take more seats and put more independence in there. But they, I'm not being mean to them at all, but their the performance radar is looking right on them. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. they're not, they're not going to pick up their game and show that independence can do this and do it well, then it's going to make it only really difficult to win more seats yeah. for those people. It, yeah, make it or break it. So... I guess because we're not two as in Jackie Manby that stands on its own name is slightly a little bit different and we will keep belting it out there and making sure that we're getting ones on the boards but they're going to have to do the same thing and unfortunately when you don't have a lot of stuff that's going to make their jobs even more difficult. The days are saying please bring me up a cup of tea and a scone are over for them um, and their corporate days are over and they're going to have to work their asses off <laughs> and that's the truth about it.
0: <laughs> do you guys is there a bit of a whatsapp chat going is there a group with the different independents do you guys meet to kind of talk about stuff how how are there comms between you guys and the teals and uh, the greens and pauline and yeah
2: I- I think when the tours first come on, I, I think they found it a little bit difficult. They didn't realise they actually don't really actually have a lot to do with the house. So and it takes a little bit to realise that. So my focus has been on making sure that people like Clive Palmer I'm talking to openly as I have, um, a year or so after I left him, I've made sure I've worked on that relationship to regain that, which has now been now paying twofold. Uh, people like David Pocock. Uh, things, people like that, I don't have a good relationship with One Motion. I never have. But it's it's doing all that, making sure those relationships are already there, are cemented in. You know, I have been speaking to the tools over the last three or four weeks as much as I possibly can. Uh, we've been trying to, you know, just advise them, tell them, because they've got no idea. Um, nobody's giving them any direction from the Labor Party, which has been quite dreadful on their behalf, even to the point of no staffing where their officers are, what they're doing. So they are leave the Labor Party, and I'll call them out for it, is actually put the tills out there to hang out to dry. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I say to the tools. Stand your bloody, stand your ground, and don't move on the bastards because sooner or later they're going to want something. You just keep doing what you're doing, but you know what, you'll come back to bite Labor on the ass. They're, they're, they're frightened.
0: They seem very frightened. Where are we up to? In terms of staffing negotiations and that sort of stuff with the Labor Party?
2: Well, I think we've all had a go. I believe there is a crossbench. I believe that's the Lower House crossbench going to speak to, if rumours tells me right, tomorrow to Albanese. But quite frankly, it's. I mean, we've lost staff now because mm. our own staff had to go and find jobs. So even if we do get reinstated back um, one or two of our staff advisors, it's just going to make it really, really difficult, which means that. Whatever you bring up that second week, don't expect me to vote on it because I won't be voting on it because I just until I can see people to on to and against, you know, we just cannot vote on it. So any corporates that have been trying to see the Lambies, any unions that have been yeah. trying to see the Lambies, unless you are Tasmanian based or you are a veteran, we have had to knock you out. I'm sorry, but if you've got shit you need to talk to us about, you better send it on paper because I don't have any advisors. Yeah. That's where Tammy and I are at. I've got more less staff now. Than what I had, than what, um, I had to when I first came yeah. in with two senators.
3: That's where I'm at. Mm. The Parliament House, we're going to have Jackie, or we're going to have one advisor in us. So basically, we can't answer the phones, we can't answer emails. When the bells go, we've got to bolt and hope to Christ that our advisor knows exactly where we're yeah. at and what's been happening so that they can brief us and bolt to the chamber. And in my case, I'm sitting on the green carpet because they had no room, Senate side. And the first bell goes for four minutes. I've got three and a half minutes somebody has timed for me to get from my from the lower house to the Senate chamber. And I'm a short, dumpy, short-legged lady. Can right? I get me wrong? I like me. But the man who timed it was six foot four really long legs. And you know what? He's promised that if I sock slide through the hall into the doorways, he'll hold it open for me. <laughs>
0: I have to hold him to it. Is the default position then just going to be, I'm sorry, we can't vote with the government on this legislation because we just haven't had the appropriate amount of time to read it. We don't have a team to go through this.
2: Our stand on this has always been the same. If you rush legislation through, if you give us one of those shitty omnibuses where you put 20 pieces of legislation in it, um, and you're giving it to me the day beforehand, I'm not voting for it because there's just no way in hell. I'm just going kind to of find it really difficult in trying to have one advisor, basically two advisors between the two of us to do everything from media to ledge to moves on the floor, everything else, and then trying to see people for and against any piece of legislation that comes through is really going to um, hold us back and it's going to be extremely time-consuming. This is going to be our problem. And I've never, ever vote for something unless I'm 100% sure that I've been given every piece of information I possibly can to make the
3: right decision. But if it's important enough for them to want it to go to a vote, they'll sure give it to us in good time. Mm. If they give it to us the day before, it's not that we won't vote for it, it's just that we don't have time to look at it properly.
2: I'll say this to the way Party: If you start doing the same shit that we've and, and giving, up, giving us that legislative reform on the Thursday and you want us to vote for it on the Monday, you've got absolute bucklies. <laughs>
1: Well, they'll be hearing it. They they do listen into this one. They do. Yeah, they'll, they'll be tuned in and they'll be taking um, your advice. You're talking about performance radars, the performance of the teals and and any other independents crossbenchers that have come through or independent senators that have come through. All eyes are on them and will be for the next four years because that's basically all they can offer is a performance. They can't offer anything else they don't have a party that can deliver things outside of them jackie a lot of the things you're talking about now unfortunately you've had to be talking about your your entire time in canberra you know I mean a lot of some things haven't changed but i kind of want to talk about your own performance where do you feel you've seen and and what can you see that you've changed in this country and in your community that you, you know what, what are you proud of what are some tangible things that we can point to that weren't in place before jackie lambie came along
3: I
2: think the biggest might be the personal personal treatment. Um, is being people watching me to say, "My God, when you first come out, you're all like a wrecking ball that's putting up politely." Mm-hmm. But you know, in giving me a fair go, especially Tasmanians, in watching me grow during that period of time, where you know people come up to me now and say, "You know what? My God, when you first come out, you're just bloody hopeless." And when you're like, you know, you're now like a Tazzy Pinot, you just keep getting better with time, you know. So, Pinot Noir. Yeah, Noir. So, you know, you just keep getting better with time, you know, pop the cork. So, I think for people, to see, I hope that encourages people out there to think, just because you're not educated and just because you don't believe that's where where you belong, that's absolute bullshit. You might want to have a look at them, that most of them probably don't belong yep. up there and it's actually a normal person that should be up there taking a boat, not someone that spent their whole life being kissed on the ass and doesn't know what a to is. Because that's bottom line
3: what you've got up there. You've also broken politics down on a really down-to-earth level too. Like most people don't understand politics. Yep. But mm-hmm. if you go out the street, they know who Jackie is and where she sits mm-hmm. and what she's up. And most people... You know, before Jackie got in, didn't understand what the lower house was, what the upper house was. So
2: mm-hmm. did yeah. And I think the other thing is people have too that there's a voice up there that's not constrained by anything that you can actually you can build them. Mm-hmm. And you know, people like that if they if I went to say what have I achieved, they'll say are oh, the veterans and something to do with the housing Because a lot of people don't understand that, but what they love me for is I just do not take any of that crap and I'm up there and I'm belting them every single step of the way. And I don't do that because I like it. I do that because they deserve it. Because that is what
1: what needs to be done. You you say that veterans can come in um, and they speak to you and that's the way it's worked ever since you came through. Can you tell us an example of someone, you know, one quiet afternoon in Burnie, someone came in, not necessarily someone with a background in defence, but someone came in. One of your constituents came in and said something to you, and you were able to then take that straight there.
2: Yeah, so whether we can we can do a lot of constituency work down in, in this office because I've had the same people in those positions for like since I started. So they, these are the guys who got back doors. Whether it's going straight to the Veterans Affairs um, Assistant Commissioner down here, whether it's going to Housing, whether it's going to Centrelink, you have those backdoor relationships and you can usually find you can resolve things pretty quickly from this office It'll just take a phone call. And it's usually a breakdown because if you're looking at veterans or people that are homeless or people that are knocking at the door at centre link, they're on their last legs. They've had enough. There's no trust. They're angry at life, all that sort of thing. They're hurting and, and all the rest. And sometimes they can't get that through to those people in those departments, whereas, you know, I guess because of all the life experiences that we have in this office, we can go, mate, I know what you're talking about and this is what's happened. So there's usually a piece of the puzzle that's been missing. And we can put that back in and fix it. So we are pretty known for that rant, many, especially with constituency work. I just wanted to ask on the,
0: you're talking about getting up there and, and belting the parties and saying what you, you want to say. One of the most notable moments out of the last couple of years was one of your speeches to the Senate in regards to vaccines. That was a moment that kind of, really catalyzed a lot of public sentiment a lot of people around the country were you know sharing the shit out of it <laughs> what was the blowback from all of that there was a lot of positives but in terms of what <laughs> came after that yeah. there's um one group in our community who were quite full-on and vocal in their opinions and that is anti-vaxxers what what happened for the I mean, maybe it's still happening, but what was the blowback from that speech?
1: Did you get accused of being in uh, in cahoots with Bill Gates or anything like that?
2: Uh, um, no, yeah. I, I do. I do love that the anti-vaxxers. When it comes to anti-vaxxers, it's okay not to be vaccinated, but We when when we we want to have our right and our say. Apparently, that's not allowed. But it's all about freedoms. That makes me laugh my arse Just up, you know, don't judge me for being vaccinated. Yeah, no, he's oh. been fucking critical from them. That is my choice. Don't you go out there building me for it. I don't go there belting. I all I do is tell you to grow up and be an adult. No, sorry. I think for me, yeah, it was really um, it was a bit argy bargy out there on the uh, out there on the ground yeah, after I that. that uh, so
3: thousands
2: of emails coming. Through. Thousands of emails no. where my poor staff. Um, this is how cowardly they are, you people out there. If you want to be a, a keyboard warrior, be my guest. But go and send your shit elsewhere because, quite frankly, abusing my staff is disgusting. There it just is goes to show Physical bodily harm, yeah, yeah, all
3: yeah, that really. Fun run, ancestor, yeah. and um, this group started hurling abuse at us. We were dressed all in pink for a cancer fun run, and it's like, what that, like language and physical threats at a fun run. At a fun what, run, you know, run for, at
1: yeah, a fun yeah. run. I mean, it's it, and it, and the thing was, a lot of people were avoiding that conversation because they didn't want to deal with these tough conversations to have. And it seems sounds like it felt like you were the first one um, to kind of epitomise how a lot more people were feeling about this. You know, there, there is your rights and your freedoms. and But at that point, everyone was just sick of it, sick of the whinging and sick of the uh, abuse. So, you know, Jackie, you had to carry that. Now you have Tammy to share the load. She can... Yeah, I'll
3: be a contact ready the as well. Is that what we're Yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah, you can, you can jump on a grenade uh, here and there too, Tammy. But, Jackie, another thing that I noticed after the election of all the different analysis and all the feedback and all the chit-chat... The front page of the Koori Mail, based in Lismore, Australia's number one Aboriginal-owned newspaper, had you listed, uh, and and I did know you, uh, proud of your Indigenous background, and you're not just Scottish, but uh, you are now what appears to be some sort of a black caucus within Parliament House, you know, with uh, all of these different communities and the largest number of elected Aboriginal politicians have you found yourself working in that with that community as well?
2: Look, you can call it you can call it a black corpus if you like. I have been impressed with the black caucus since I've been in there. First of all, there was only four, then there was five. Um, because you've got Liberal Labour in there, they have different opinions on where that should go. There's a couple more up there now. It just seems that every time we start this in the new beginning of parliament, it exhausts. It just seems to go wayside. So I don't think that's intentional it's just that there's so much else on the agenda. I do know that, you know, the the constitutional rights and whether that'll be put more on the agenda in the next few years, I'm not 100%. I think because we lack in staff and I have left it to the other Indigenous members there, I just sort of sit at the back there, um, especially the ones from the Northern Territory, the ones that have been very heavily involved in that most of their lives. I allow them to sort of run with that. But I think for us, it's more veterans in Tasmania, we're pretty much exhausted. So it doesn't leave me a lot of thought for the Indigenous brothers and sisters out there, unfortunately. But there are other Indigenous members out there that really got their teeth wrapped in this, and I'm certainly there standing um, beside them to support them. But they um, they know this area better than what I do. They're born and bred into this, and you know, I could be like, people housing, muscles, people wearing me white, that sort of thing. They've got a much better idea. So I just uh, appreciate them and I respect them. Um, it's not a not. I just do not have energy or what is left to spend a lot of time in that area which is really unfortunate but to do that means i've got to give up veterans and i'm just not prepared that that was one of the things i ran in i ran on two things in 2013 That was to stand up for tasmanians and veterans i've kept my word and my honor in that area in those areas i'll continue to do so but it just doesn't leave me much room to move elsewhere, swear mate that's the problem
1: they all know your name i mean you run into diggers we're not long ago on the gold coast speaking to a Couple of blokes who'd served, and they were all talking about Jackie, and they were talking about trouble they were having with the the VA, and and they all know that there's a phone number they can call. Be that you, and yeah. in Queensland, a lot of people would would look to Bob Carter, but he doesn't seem to be as involved as you are in in all of this. Tell me about that. That is a job in itself. That is it. We, we've spoken about you know throughout the course of this interview, we've spoken about the different kind of uh, strains and the different kind of workloads you have to pick up running the ball up for Veteran Affairs and the ADF in general, but that's a lot of people. You know, we're talking about three blokes sitting in a pub on the Gold Coast. All of them know that well, they basically would have your phone number, your office phone number. How much of your time is, if you allowed it, could this be a full-time job?
2: Um, yeah, it is a full-time job. So one of our EO staff, we don't get extra staffing for this. She's she's on our veterans full-time and then you've got me following her. And then we've also got, well, we're down to two advisors now, but... We were using basically a sole advisor for that. I don't understand. I don't think this is where Labor doesn't understand. This is really where it's going to hurt us. Um, This is just how far behind they are. You know, anything for a gardener or cleaner is now they're not paying their bills, so they're losing them. They can't get into sleep psychiatrists for nine to ten months. Um, I am grateful that my number was out there everywhere and I had to change that before Christmas time, not because of the veterans whatsoever, but I have to say it's just, it won't take long before this new number gets out amongst them. But taking phone calls at midnight, um, people on suicide watch, not just me, but the person that's doing that veteran's job in here, is really, and I do not do not blame them at all, it is really starting to push out to the limits that has done for quite some time, I I get to speak at the Royal Commission in two weeks' time. It's my turn for three hours. I have a lot to say about that. It's put a lot of strain in this office. But, you know, we just refuse to give it up, mate, because there's nowhere else for those diggers to go. I've been really lucky. I don't think anybody that's ever rang. Them. We've had over 1,200 in three years. And they're the worst of the worst come to this office. We haven't lost one yet, thank goodness. But I can tell you it's nothing for me to spend weekends talking to people talking them around, see if I can get them help straight away. And the same with the other EO staff member that's in here doing the same thing. It's actually overkill for us in here. But you know, until the majors realise just how much work, I'm not sure they will in the next few works that this office does with those veterans, they may want to look at actually helping us triage in this office because basically they come here now because they can't get through the veterans' affairs and that is not getting any better. Even though the Royal Commission is running, it seems to me Defence and Veterans Veterans Affairs have got even worse. Their behaviour is disgraceful.
1: Why is this so difficult? That's what I want to ask. You're on the ground. You're dealing with this. Why is this so difficult? We have a government at any given time, as long as anyone can remember, probably went a bit shy back in the day. But since Howard, I and mean, since the bringing them home with the, with the Vietnam veterans... This has been front and center of our national identity. We've got Remembrance Days, we've got Anzac Day, we've got this, every politician loves getting photographed, putting a wreath down, they love talking about our poor veterans when they want to talk about something that isn't refugees, you know, we're talking about providing resources for refugees or homeless, they'll say, what about our veterans first? Where's the inaction and how, how is this not the easiest thing for them to work on? Because it, it's, it's so much part of their brand and their and our national identity.
2: Well, it's not that difficult. It's only them that's made it difficult. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is I think that when you have a revolving door of ministers go through the government, it's been sitting away over 11 or 12 years, and you've got secretaries that are running it. I just don't know if people don't understand this, but you need to know, you know why... The lower house ministers don't come up to us in estimates because that's both the major parties, so we don't have to question them. We have to question their secretaries, and so we can't whack them around as much. Which I'm going to put up a motion to try and change that because I do not believe the secretaries should be the ones answering the questions. It should be the ministers. If you want a ministry, then you had better know your ministry inside of it, inside out, and you better come and ask, answer those goddamn questions at estimates, and that's what needs to be done. So, um, there's a lot that needs to be done. When people are not doing the job up there, if your secretary is not doing a job on your other commissioners, why are they still sitting there? Why haven't you sacked them? Mm-hmm. You know, why haven't you sacked them?
1: Yep. Well, so, so, sack them all, I say, Jackie. We should right, sack them all. What are you doing here, mate? Not, not, not all. <laughs> I'm looking for a senator
3: to
2: run next time in Queensland, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Think, about Think about it. All
0: right. You got a big <laughs> fight on your hands, <laughs> and there are. Plenty of bastards to go and keep on us. you got to go and get into them. So we will wrap it up there. Just one super quick last question, actually. Uh, big issue, not a lot of action on it. Tasmania AFL team, what's happening?
2: Oh. Oh, mate, okay. <laughs> I'm going to say this to be honest, because it's, it's sort of up. It's 50 against 54. Uh, one, Tasmania can't afford it. Secondly, we can't even keep a team in the BFL. <laughs> yeah, the football league state level and I just wonder how the hell are we going to do that at the next level up? If we haven't even cut and cut the Devils in comp anymore um, overnight, overnight so yeah. it is a it lot is I will say this and I want to make sure this is really clear <laughs> the um, AFL Academy down here for our kids they do a great job oh, amazing. they amazing. do a really great job trying to get them into the AFL draft so maybe they could just if they can't afford the AFL two, if they can maybe just put a little bit more money behind that AFL drafting down here for our kids. So we we trade
3: everywhere. Yeah,
2: I think that that would help. But it's getting our kids in that love the game so much and they, they are a little disadvantaged if they can't come through that VFL and stuff like that.
1: Well, as ever, a controversial opinion. Jackie Lambie betraying the entire island of uh, Tasmania by oh, saying we don't need an AFL team. But uh, thank you for thank you for the honest and raw interview, uh, Senator Jackie Lambie, Senator Tammy Terrell. We look forward to seeing much more of you with, over the next parliamentary
3: term. Yeah, we'll keep it classy, won't we? <laughs> well, we'll talk
2: about we'll talk about you guys coming over the network,
3: shortly. Yeah. See you next yeah. time. <laughs> See you down there. Keep Bye. them honest. See Thanks, guys.